This week on the podcast, we're talking to Kim Vopney of Pelvian Wellness, Inc. about pelvic floor health. We'll discuss common pelvic floor disorders such as urinary incontinence, uterine prolapse, and vaginal pain, as well as natural solutions for treating them. Kim will also share some strategies for maintaining and promoting long-term pelvic floor health. Welcome, Kim. Hi, thank you very much for having me. Yeah, thanks for being here. I'm really thrilled to uh, be able to talk to you about this topic because we get so many questions from our community around this issue of pelvic floor health. And, um, you know, this is not our area of expertise, and we know it is for you. So we're just thrilled to be able to, to share your knowledge with our community. So thank you. So to get us started, um, can you just tell our listeners a little bit about your own quest for pelvic floor health and what um, kind of brought you to being so passionate about this, you know, area of women's wellness? Sure. I It started with my mom, essentially. So she had episiotomies with her birth, and she had a tummy she never liked anymore. She had back pain. She eventually was able to or not able to perform the exercises that she wanted to because she was leaking. So I sort of grew up with this image of pregnancy and childbirth ruining your body, and I was convinced that I was never going to have children. And Mm -hmm. uh, then once I got older and married my husband and decided that maybe I would want to have children, I needed to do whatever I could to have a different story than what my mom had. So Mm -hmm. I used a – well, actually, very first was I I watched my sister-in-law give birth And she used a midwife, and her birth was different from what I had ever seen before. Usually it was on some sort of a TV show, and everybody was on their back and pushing. Well, somebody counted to 10, and and I had this completely different image of what birth was really supposed to be. And the following year, I became pregnant and used a midwife as well, and I was asking them about what else I could do. They had told me about perineal massage. And then there was a product they had recommended called the EpiNo. And I use that product. It's a biofeedback device for pelvic floor training. And I used that and had a great experience and ended up, <clears throat> pardon me, ended up becoming a distributor for that product. So that was sort of my introduction to the, the world of pelvic health. And um, once I used it and, and had this positive experience, I felt like most of my other friends had never heard of it. They had completely different outcomes than what I had had. And that was really the message to me that I needed to get the word out about this product, but overall about pelvic health and about preparing and, and taking steps to help the body go through pregnancy and birth without the issues that women think are normal after they've had a baby. Right. Absolutely. So and we're going to hear more. I'm going to you know, pick your brain about some of those other strategies. But since you've mm-hmm. mentioned the EpiNo, and I know you are the Canadian official Canadian distributor for that product now, can you tell us a little bit about um, the EpiNo and how it works for women who aren't sure. familiar with it? Sure. It's a, it's a German-made device, and the name EpiNo stands for no episiotomy. And it was made by a doctor in Germany who was in Africa, and saw women using gourds of increasing size to prepare their perineum and pelvic floor for birth. So he took that philosophy and worked with pelvic floor physios and midwives and other physicians to create a more mainstream device. And essentially, it is a small silicon balloon that's attached to a tube, and the tube then attaches to like a hand pump. And there's a gauge on that hand pump similar to what you might see on on a blood pressure 
monitor blood pressure cuff. And the balloon is inserted deflated into the vagina about halfway in. And then the you use the hand pump to uh, add a little bit of air to that balloon. So what that does is it gives women the sensation of something to squeeze against. So similar to if there was a penis inserted, um, they, they, it gives them immediate feedback. And then once they contract their pelvic floor muscle against that balloon where there's now some air, it will register movement on the gauge. So for women who have a hard time connecting with that area of the body, because it's, it's a part of the body we can't see. So sometimes there has been some disconnect for various reasons, and some women need some help to really know if their muscle is or muscles are functioning together or correctly or at all. So mm-hmm. when they contract against that balloon, they can see what's happening on that gauge, and that gives them feedback about how much, how high can they move that gauge, and then can they let the gauge come back down? So some women hold tension there, and they might need to work more on letting go of tension and, and letting the needle come back down the opposite direction. So it's really helpful feedback for people. Um, even if you can connect with your pelvic floor, to me, I figured, you know, yeah, I can feel I can do a Kegel. I can mm-hmm. do a pelvic floor contraction. But when I started using the EpiNote, what I found was I had very little endurance in my muscles. So I could contract it, but I couldn't hold my contraction very long. And um, so I really needed to work at, at building up my endurance and I found that very helpful and um, from a birth perspective it also has the benefit of being able to do perineal massage and different from perineal massage that attach um, sort of tackles the bottom portion of tissues of the perineum the epino will work the whole entire opening because you can tear upwards into your labia as well Mm -hmm. and um, so the balloon is gradually inflated a little bit more each day in the last weeks of pregnancy to help prepare and stretch those tissues so that they are less likely to tear once the baby is born. And that to me was very helpful to learn how to yield against the discomfort of that because it's, it's not super comfortable to do that. It shouldn't be painful, yeah. but it wasn't super comfortable to do, but it really allowed sort of that mind-body connection of needing to relax or release a little bit and let go when something doesn't feel super comfortable. Right. I love that story because, I mean, as you know, when we had our storefront, we we carried your product and I don't think I was aware that, you know, it had originated from um, this practice in Africa and, you know, having Mm -hmm. lived in East Africa for a few months, um, I always love the stories like that about, um, yeah, just like how we can adopt some of that kind of traditional, what I consider like traditional midwifery stuff that goes back, you know, many generations. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah, and then how we can work to improve upon it too. Right. Yeah, that's really wonderful. Yeah. So what are some of the most common sort of pelvic floor issues that you encounter among women? So most of my client base, either they are pregnant currently or they are sort of within the first couple of years postpartum. Mm-hmm. And most people come to me after the fact, and most of them are coming with the, you know, they, they leak when they do exercise, they've started running and they're leaking when they run or they leak when they go to their fitness class. Um, so that would be, I would say that the most common one, the, mm-hmm. 
the second one is um, they don't they don't know. Everybody has heard of incontinence. They apply it to an older population, so they think that it's something that older women should be experiencing and not them. But right. they have an idea of what it means if, if urine is leaking out. And most women say, oh, it happened to my mother or it happened to my grandma, and it's, you know, it just, just happens after you've had a baby. So they're more, I guess, familiar with that. And yep. they, most people sort of just say, well, it's normal. I just have to learn to live with it. What they're not as familiar with and what most um, or many of them come to me with symptoms of is prolapse. And Mm -hmm. prolapse occurs when the organs, so the bladder, the uterus, the rectum, start to shift out of their optimal alignment and, and start to move downwards. They often sort of, they move into and eventually out of the vagina in very extreme cases. And so there's four grades or stages of prolapse and the first you know first second stage are can often be asymptomatic and if it's caught at that stage then it can oftentimes be maintained so that it doesn't progress or sometimes it can even be reversed and and symptoms that they might have would be back pain pelvic pain they might feel a sense of heaviness in their pelvis um they might have a little bit of pain with intercourse. They may feel, in, in more advanced stages, they may feel uh, a little bulge. They might say, you know, my tampon doesn't stay in anymore, uh, or I can't put a tampon in anymore. You know, there's a whole bunch of different um, symptoms that they may have. But it's mm-hmm. a, 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 it's a something that is n- not talked about beforehand, not talked about after. So. It's not until there's really a major problem that women go in and they say, oh, yeah, you've got prolapse and it's it's quite common. And, and women feel like, why didn't anybody tell me about this? And why is this the first time I'm hearing about it? So they feel a little bit ripped off, which I don't blame mm-hmm. them. And yeah. uh, so it's kind of overall in the pelvis. Those are the main complaints that I get. Also, the, the mummy tummy, which um, mm-hmm. it's when the connective tissue that holds the two rectus so the six-pack muscles in place stretches Mm -hmm. it it allows the rectus muscles to actually move away from the midline and they don't often realign and the connective tissue itself doesn't always heal properly and it leaves you with this poochy tummy that never goes away and women they need to do more cardio or more abdominal exercise work and ultimately it's it's they need to heal that tissue and work to try to realign those muscles. And an interesting stat is there's about 50, I believe it's 52% of women who have that separation, it's called diastasis recti, Mm -hmm. will have some element of pelvic floor dysfunction, whether it be incontinence or prolapse. So they're very closely related. And if somebody comes into me complaining mostly about their abdomen, I'm already thinking that they most likely have some element of dysfunction in their pelvic floor as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was just reading on your blog about that, and that's definitely not something I've really heard talked about much before. So I think that's a really helpful thing, um, you know, for you to 
share with women is that differentiation because it's so frustrating when we try to fix something and we're fixing it in the wrong way and we, you know, you're not seeing results. It's because we're not actually tackling things at the, the right. Right. And I think we see that a lot in women's health, unfortunately. Right. Um, so that's really helpful to make that differentiation. Um, you also, you know, it brings up a bigger question for me because you're you're sort of talking about misunderstandings, I think, of like mm-hmm. the pelvic floor and, um you know, how how these things manifest and how they should be treated. And I'm just curious mm-hmm. to hear from your perspective, you know, what other kinds of misunderstandings do you see in the general public and particularly around how things should be treated or, you know, Kegel exercises, which I know there's like a lot of really conflicting information out there about. And so I'm just wondering if you can speak a little bit to the misunderstandings and what, you know, women should be watching for and how they should actually be addressing sure. these issues. Um, yeah, so the, the Kegel one is definitely one of the bigger ones. And um, Dr. Kegel, <laughs> where the name was uh, was from, he he certainly was a pioneer, and, and he brought attention to a group of muscles that hadn't received any attention up until that point, and 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 that was fantastic. And the exercise itself is well intended and can be very helpful for many people, but it's not a blanket cure for everything to do with the pelvis or the pelvic floor. And um, what I find more common these days is the impact of alignment or somebody's sort of the posture that they live in and then the resulting skeletal alignment that they have ultimately affects the function of those muscles. And most people spend a lot of time sitting, Mm -hmm. hunched over, not moving and if they do move, they're typically doing really intense activity. And what's happening is there's a lot of core, and the pelvic floor is part of the core, so there's a lot of core dysfunction that is rampant in people even who've never had children and, mm-hmm. and men as well. And so what's, what typically happens in that when, when the people sit a lot or when they move really aggressively, the pelvic floor isn't in its ideal position to work properly and it starts to develop and the rest of the core starts to develop compensations. Some compensations may be a common one is that the pelvic floor, most likely in the posterior part, so closer to the tailbone, starts to become really tight. And when you add kegels to that, so if if somebody felt like their pelvic floor was weak, they had leaking, and they thought, well, I'll just start doing kegels. And when that person starts doing Kegel exercises, all they're doing is further shortening or tightening an already shortened tight muscle. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah, so as I was mentioning with the EpiNo, you kind of need to have a blend of being able to contract but also being able to relax. And Mm -hmm. what I find more common now is there's a lot of people have a harder time relaxing than they do contracting. So somebody who, as I've just described, has that, you know, they sit all day, they have poor posture, their tailbone is sort of tucked underneath them, they have very flat back and bum, that person, if they did kegels, would only make their situation worse. So that would be one of the misconceptions that's out there. The other one would be the abdominal exercises that, you know, there's, if you're on Pinterest, there's re- second day there's a new 30-day crunch or ab challenge or something and it's about 
you know, 50 different versions of a crunch. So there's a bicycle crunch and there's a, a straight leg crunch. And there's, anyway, different versions of doing an exercise that can really be quite damaging to the body. And um, most, especially new moms, because that's who I see the most, is, I'm um, sorry, are most new moms are feeling really, they feel broken. That's a word that I feel a lot. They feel weak. They don't feel the same. They just want to get back to feeling strong again, and they will do whatever they can to get there. And they often do it too soon, and they do it too hard. So there's mm. boot camp everywhere. There's CrossFit everywhere. And w- women, but everybody, women feel like that's what they need to be able to lose the baby weight and get their body back. And when you have that abdominal separation, which is also affecting your pelvis, you've had all the changes that have happened over the nine months. You've given birth, whether vaginally or C-section, there's, it leaves you in an injured state. And when you pursue activity such as crunches, too soon, um, it can really damage the body. And that being said, I don't think that anybody should ever go back to crunches. <laughs> it's an <laughs> exercise that uh, that I it, it really just exacerbates the poor posture that we live in, and it creates a lot of downward pressure on the pelvic floor and against that abdominal wall, and really is doing more harm than good. So those would be the top two that I see. Right. Hmm, fascinating. So one of the things that we also hear about a lot, and I know this isn't like your target demographic, um, but we hear a lot from women who experience uh, vaginal pain during intercourse. So Mm -hmm. would you say that that's partly um, often a result of some of these muscle imbalances as well? Yes, and, and oftentimes after childbirth, I mean, women can go it can happen well before pregnancy and birth, but in my population, definitely what I see is the the people, who, most likely the people who are dealing with that have had an episiotomy or have had tearing and have residual scar tissue that is causing um, issues or challenges for them. So when you have scar tissue, is, is we need to have that. We need that for healing. But when that causes a problem is when those adhesions cause resulting restrictions, which affect the function or movement or freedom of an organ or another muscle. And when you have them in the perineum, so typically the if you have an episiotomy, which is a cut mm-hmm. into the perineum, which is in between the vagina and the anus, mm-hmm. the that can actually lead to further tearing, but it, whether you tear or whether you have a cut there, the adhesions that result often make the area really tight or really sensitive and penetration mm-hmm. afterwards doesn't even have to be penetration, but even just general touch can be uncomfortable or often painful. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's one aspect um, is the scar tissue. So working with a pelvic floor physiotherapy as part of your postpartum recovery is essential and it be mm-hmm. it remains essential for the rest of your life. So somebody who can help you access and mobilize those tissues. And it's something that you can learn to do on your own as well. Um, mm-hmm. But having somebody trained in that initially is, is definitely um, beneficial. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, the other thing is if they did have 
uh, either their uterus or their, typically it's the uterus or the bladder, that were starting to prolapse or starting to move out of their optimal alignment. Sometimes during penetration, the penis can actually hit those organs, causing pain as well. That could be another mm-hmm. another sensation that they're feeling. Right. So I'm curious to know, you know, what kind of advice you would give a woman who, you know, who might be listening to this call, who might be having issues, you know, at what point is it okay to just be kind of, um, you know, using the epino or trying exercises at home versus, you know, working with you or seeking help from a physiotherapist? Um, You know, could you help, um, you know, share, you know, what course of action is appropriate when? Does that make sense? Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm I'm a big supporter of pelvic floor physio, and I think it's one of the most underused uh, aspects of women's health that's available to us. And it, women are really at a disservice for the fact that it's not shared more openly and, and more readily. Uh, I think that if we had access or knowledge of this before, even before we get pregnant, when we're a teenager, it would help prevent so many issues that women deal with. And um, so a pelvic floor physiotherapist or like a a physical therapist, if if you're listening from the United States, Mm -hmm. they are trained, they're physiotherapists with extra training in the pelvis, in the pelvic floor. They do internal examinations, which are nothing like a pap smear. (laughs) So (laughs) it's completely different. There's no speculums. Um, but it's, it's an essential piece of women's health, in my opinion, and I think that every woman should see one at least once a year um, as a proactive measure. You'll probably go for a couple of sessions if you are dealing with a challenge right now that you need to have addressed. Um, women need to go in their pregnancy uh, in the first, usually at six weeks, I say, instead of the six-week green light from your doctor as a uh, time to return to your normal activity, consider it a green light to go see your pelvic floor physiotherapist for the internal assessment to -hmm. see how everything's healing and how everything's functioning. And then once a year after that, you go in, you have your pap smear, and then you go to your physical therapist's office and you have another assessment because it's another year of activity. It's another year of age. It's another year of potentially sitting with poor posture and each year, we always have different effects that come into play. It's not like a one-time thing and you're cured for life. It's something that we need to be proactive with. So mm-hmm. um, it's never too late, but I would say the earlier the better. So even if you don't have any issues and you want to maintain pelvic floor health, find a physical therapist or pelvic floor physiotherapist who you, uh, in your area who you connect with and make it part of your, your regular routine. Mm-hmm. Terrific. Well, thank you so much, Kim. This has been super, super helpful. Um, can you tell our community a little bit about, you know, where they can find you and where they can read more if they have more questions or would like to be in touch with you or work with you? Sure. So my website is Pelvian Wellness, and that's P-E-L-V-I-E-N-N-E wellness.com. And uh you can also find me in another business I have jointly with two other partners called Bellies Inc. And that's a business that's focused mainly on, uh, again, pregnant women and new moms. But even though we sort of talk mainly about the abdominal wall there, as I mentioned earlier, there's a huge connection between the abdominal wall and the pelvis and the pelvic floor. And so we're bringing all of that education to 
uh, pregnant women and new moms as well. So you can find me in both of those locations. Both websites have great blogs with regards to all things pelvic floor, all things abdominal wall, <laughs> all the things that, all the kind of, we have a, a saying in Belly Zinc and we talk about the SHIT that no one tells you. And we're trying to bring light to often considered taboo topics or topics that aren't addressed and empowering women with information and awareness so they can make more informed choices in their pregnancies, in their births, and afterwards. Mm-hmm. Terrific. Well, thank you so much again for joining us today. And I think this has been really, really helpful for our community, and I've certainly learned a lot as well. Um, so, yeah, thanks again, and we'll be in thank touch you. soon. Thank you very right, much. I really, really enjoyed being here. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Red Tent Sisters, the podcast. We're Kim and Amy Sedgwick, co-founders of Red Tent Sisters, a business dedicated to providing holistic fertility, sexuality, and contraceptive solutions. If you have something you'd like to share about this week's topic, we invite you to join the conversation on our Facebook page. Or if you have a question you'd like to hear addressed on the show or have an expert you'd like to see interviewed here, please send us an email at thesisters at redtentsisters.com. And don't forget to subscribe to Red Ten Sisters, the podcast, for more great tips on how to resolve your feminine concerns and live a vibrant, passionate life naturally. Thanks for listening.